Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. We did not finish up this morning's message, so we are going to finish up this evening. Sometimes you get too many notes together, and it's just not fair to anybody to try to crunch it all in in one in one uh, one message. So we're going to split it up. Part number two, we were talking about God's promise to preserve His Word. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter thirty, verse number five, every word of God was pure. It's not what it says, does it? Wrong version. <laughs> every word of God used to be at some point pure. It's not what it says either. Every word of God is pure. Today, Sunday, tomorrow, Monday, it is right now pure. You know what contractors use and builders and construction workers use to measure something? A ruler a tape measure, a speed square. They all have the same measurement. You know what we do to measure truth? It's God's Word. Every single word in our Bible is right now, has been, and always will be pure. This is how we measure truth. If I took a tape measure and ran a tape, and I had 12 inches and you took another tape and you measured the same distance and it was 11 and 3 eighths, somebody is wrong. It's a slight change, but it's a change. It's not going to be a pure, true, exact measurement. That's why the measurements are all the same. Every word of God, that is the measuring stick that we use to measure truth. He is a shield <clears throat> unto them that put their trust in scholars. No, that's not what it says. That put their trust in translators. No, that's not what it says. That put their trust in a Baptist preacher. No, that's not what it says. That put their trust in him. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what the big seminary professor says. Our trust is not in them. Our trust is in the Word of God. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. I like shields. I like protection. And I'm sure you do too. We can be protected if we put our trust in what God says. We can be protected from error. We can be protected from all these types of spiritual things. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield on them put their trust in Him. King James, Bible believers, Baptist, independent. There's, there's more adjectives now that I can't even keep up with them. Bible thumpers. Bible thumpers, you know, and it's great. Because we, we love truth and we want truth. We're independent. Sometimes we're too independent. 
People think that independent means I can just do what I want when I want, and it's not really what it's supposed to mean. But anyway, they disagree on things. And when you're independent, that gives you the liberty to disagree on things. You don't have to answer to anybody. So kind of accountability, the other side of that's a good thing. They do things different. There's different ways of handling practical matters. But they're all friends. Most of the time. They all learn from one another. Most of the time. And they all grow because they have differences. You see, differences can be a very, very good thing if you run a company or if you are employed by a company or if you're part of any type of group, it's always good to get two or three or four sets of eyeballs on something. There's accountability there. There's help there. There's people view things from different angles. All right, now let's make a decision. That's a good thing. Differences are a good thing. But the Bible's our final authority. That isn't up for changing or discussing or debating. This is our final authority. It's not a college. It's not a Bible institute. It's not a seminary professor. It isn't any of those things. The Bible's our final authority. Now, we talked a little bit about cults um, in the Sunday morning message. Here's, one, here's another thing you can do to identify a cult. Cults don't want their followers to investigate their beliefs. Now, if you believe the King James Bible, or if you say, I believe that the King James Bible is the preserved Word of God and is without error, one of the things, people just call you a name, and one of the things, oh, well, what, are you in some type of cult? No, I just believe God. I believe His promise that He would preserve His Word. But they don't want you to investigate their beliefs because they fear that you will be converted. And you see this in groups like Jehovah's Witnesses. We talked about that a little bit this morning. They're sunk if they leave. I didn't deal with this man, but some friends of mine dealt with this man at the church where I came from. He popped in one night, came to a Bible school class. They dealt with him for two hours. Man, he saw it. He saw the truth. He basically, the bottom line, he said, if I come back here, if I leave my belief, there goes my family, there goes my friends, I've got nothing. It's easy for us to say, yeah, I mean, it's just, why, how come they don't get it? But until you are wrapped up in a cult that controls every aspect of your life, you just don't know how it is. I don't know how it is because we don't live like that. So they make strict rules. They restrict certain preachers. Oh, he, they restrict certain books. You go to some college seminaries and the books on the authority of the King James Bible wiped away and they're replaced with all types of critical books by critical authors 
Why can't we put them both up there? Look, now most of it's in storage, but I got four foot of books on the King James Bible, and I got another two, three, four foot of books on people that don't like the King James Bible. Why can't you put them both up there? You afraid that it doesn't matter. I've got nothing to hide. It doesn't matter a hill of beans to me. What critical author you bring in, I'll read it if I haven't already. Why are colleges... Bible institutes, churches that aren't against all Bibles, they're just against one Bible, why are those books taken out of the library and taken off the shelves? So I beg the question, who's really in the cult? We shouldn't be afraid of our opposition's beliefs. Don't be afraid to study what the critics say. I've been told some universities, they will take your book. They will confiscate your book if it goes against their doctrine. So they bring the little kitties in. Do you agree with this? 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 Great. Okay, we'll get along. As soon as you disagree, that's it. You're gone. The book's confiscated. You're brought into the office. It's the, ma it's the, it's the mafia uh, mentality enters into the scene. It's not right. All right, John 17, 17. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. If I get out of this book, you shouldn't be listening. I want you to go home, read it, believe it, trust it, love it, live it. You don't need Greek. You don't need Hebrew. You don't need a guy to speak another language to you so that you can get the real word of God. Thank God for all of that work that's been done. But we have it. We can read it for ourselves. We have the priesthood of all believers. I don't need a Roman Catholic priest to speak to me ex or uh, I forget the term. Uh, yeah. That it, so when the Pope speaks, okay, then that's from God, right? Now it's really hard to find a Latin church that speaks it in Latin because that's the real deal right there. I don't need a Pope to tell me this is God's word and this is how it. Did. That's Roman Catholicism. That's what we are against. We can't adopt that practice into our belief system by saying, well, do you know, in the Greek, a better translation would be, first off, you don't speak Greek. Second off, the Greek says the same thing as the English. Why are you picking and choosing what to... I mean, why do that? Why do that? Just read it, believe it. You read it, you read it, you read it, I read it, we all read it. We all read it. Now, Philippians 2, check this out. Philippians chapter 2. Let's see what the Bible says about absolute authority. This morning's message we talked about people don't want authority. They don't like authority. 
That's why these modern outfits are getting rid of the King James Bible. They're bringing in the modern versions because basically none of them will really tell them there isn't one Bible that they have to be in subject to. They can subject themselves to anything that they would like. Philippians 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The absolute authority and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The King of Kings. He's on the throne. Check out this. Psalm 138. Psalm 138, verse number one. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Now watch this. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. There's something that's magnified higher than his name. The name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. That's the power of Jesus Christ. There's something that the Bible points out in Psalm 138 that is magnified above his name. People want to get rid of his name, by the way. They want to get rid of his book. They want to get rid of his name. Did you know that the letter J didn't come into the English language until the 1500s? Uh, ding, 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 ding. Let me guess. You don't like the name of Jesus. <laughs> just when you hear that, just know he's going somewhere with that. Yahuwah, Yeshua, I'm a, there's all sorts of doctrines for cults and groups to get rid of his name. They don't want his name said in school. They don't want anything in the courtrooms that have anything to do with his word, Ten Commands. They don't want it. You can try to take away his name, it's not going to happen. Because there's always going to be a group of Christians that are called apart. There's something that's magnified higher than his name himself, and that is, is his word. Now, ESV, let me just, we'll just do one of these tonight. 
The ESV in Psalm 138 says, I bow down toward your holy temple instead of I will worship toward thy holy temple. The NIV says the same thing. I will bow down toward your holy temple. There's a big difference between bowing down and worshiping. There really is. You can bow down to something and not worship it. It is not a better translation. I don't care which Greek you go to. You're not getting that. Martial arts. As a matter of fact, you go to an Asian country, you're not going to do this. It would be considered disrespectful. You're going to bow. Nobody's worshiping anybody. <laughs> They're just greeting one another. Now, you get into martial arts, that thing can go all kind of wacky. There are some that you're going to bow down and worship this image or this man. or That's wacko stuff there. But just because you bow, that doesn't mean you're worshiping somebody. It's not a better translation. And I, because for you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. Okay. Your fame. <laughs> it's just, just what it says. <laughs> Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Okay. God's word. God's word. What the Bible says about authority, absolute authority. Let's get John chapter 12. Verse number 44. John 12, 44. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me believeth not. He that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. That's what you, he's the light of the world. That's why he came. He doesn't want people in darkness. It's a whosoever gospel. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. His first advent, his first coming, he came to save sinners. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. God's word is going to judge people. And they're going to be judged by the final authority, which is his word. His word. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42, verse number 21. The Bible says, The Lord is well pleased for His righteousness' sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. 
Lord Jesus Christ kept the law, you and I can't. That's why we needed a Savior. He made it honorable because you and I can't. He will magnify the law. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness' sake. All right, let's go over to, uh, let's go back, uh, keep your hand in Psalm. Let's go to Luke. If more Roman Catholics did what Mary did, they'd probably get saved. Let's see, Luke chapter 1. I'm not saying that to be uh, condescending. I'm just saying that a simple reading of this passage of Scripture, they want to give honor to Mary. And Mary says, uh, let's see, Luke chapter 1, verse number 46. And Mary said... My soul doth magnify the Lord. <laughs> That's something else that should be magnified. That's what we should do. Our soul should magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. You know what Mary was? She wasn't a mediatrix. Mary was saved. <laughs> she was a saved Christian woman who was greatly blessed and used by God. But my soul doth magnify the Lord. That's what she said. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Let's go back to Psalm 69 this time. Psalm Psalm 69, verse number 30, the Bible says, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. The more we start to magnify the Lord, the more His Word starts to kind of be magnified in our life. And whether we're singing a song, we should magnify Him. I will praise the name of God with a song. Are we praising God with our song? Or are we somehow... I want to be careful how I say this because... Emotions God gave us. Songs are, have emotion to them. Is it for you to just fleshly feel good? Is it to just attract a fleshy crowd? Or are you praising the name of God with a song? Is He getting the praise? Or, or are we trying to get the praise? There's a big problem going on because people want to magnify this performance. And they want to magnify this, this staging of what they call worshiping God. But he isn't being magnified. And he isn't getting the praise. And if we sing a song, it should be praising God, magnifying Him, being thankful to Him. There's something else that we should consider 
magnifying. Let's look at one more. Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Uh, start at verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Boy, that's a verse I need to work on. How about you? <laughs> my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. I think I need to work on that one too. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Maybe that's why I'm miserable all the time. No, <laughs> Maybe that's why people are miserable all the time. Do you ever meet people? They always have a problem. They're always complaining. There's always something wrong. And look, things go wrong. I'm not saying that. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. We can all use some work in humility. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. With God helping us, that's what I want us to do is magnify the Lord and exalt his name. What else do we have except our thoughts, opinions, ideas, and we all know where that's gotten us. <laughs> Why don't we just exalt the Lord? Magnify him. Magnify him. All right, John 3.16. Let's look at some of the character Jesus Let's start at verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have ever, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Wow. That's God. The so loving God. Two little letters joined together that have miles of power. God's so loved. You know how much love that takes to love this world? and be willing. He doesn't want anybody to perish, so he gives himself. That's a loving, loving God. You believe in a God and hate. Have you read John 3, 16 and 17? No, I only read verse 18. Oh, well, why don't you read them all together? But that's God. That's God. Romans chapter 5. Let's see what else we can learn about God and His love. But God commendeth His love toward us because we were such good people. You got the wrong version. You got the wrong... It doesn't say that, does it? 
while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you understand the magnitude of that one sentence? If you raise kids, the good kids you love, the bad kids, it's like you love them, but would you quit it? <laughs> you tend to want to sacrifice more for the good than the bad. You have a group of friends, two of them you get along with because they think how you think or they agree with you, so you think that they think like you think. So you tend to go their way, right? Oh, I'll do anything for, for these two guys. But these two, every single time, Christ goes the other way and says, you're a sinner, you're my enemy, you hate everything I stand for. I'm gonna commend my love to you and I'm gonna die and shed my blood for you. That's the love of Christ. That's the compassion of Christ. John 12. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He's on the throne. Judgment day comes. Someone's never repented of their sins. They've never trusted in Christ. Hell and the lake of fire awaits them. Jesus came to die. Does he say he's not willing that any should perish? Yes. Is he full of compassion and love? Yes. But the words that was spoken is the final judgment on you. His words are going to be your final authority and your judgment. If someone has not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, they have to be sentenced. And it isn't because Jesus was not willing that any should perish. It is not because Jesus is not filled with love. And it is not because Jesus is not filled with compassion. The Word of God stands above and it is magnified above His name. We're going to be judged by his word. Revelation 20. Now, he is the incarnate word. We all understand that. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works who's the judge God of the book Revelation chapter 19 and I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse 
And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Church has been called out. Those left, they don't even know his name. And his name is the Word of God. Character of the judgment is based on God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's his eternal character. What's the underlying root problem in modern churchianity today? Lack of faith in the Word of God. And that's how we ended up with anything goes. I mean, don't you love Jesus? I do. Don't you love His Word? I do. Well, then how come you don't want to find any desire in wanting to be conformed to it and then live by it? Well, you're a hate preacher. No, I'm not. I love His Word. Why don't you have the desire to want to love His Word, which is magnified above His name, and find desire and joy in wanting to be conformed to it? Nobody forces me, nobody forces you to want to live a holy, righteous, joyful life. That's the abundant life. And all these people, miserable lives, they don't have any joy, they don't have any happiness. Why can't we have a little liquor in moderation? Well, I guess if you need it to be happy, I don't know what to tell you, but I don't need it. <laughs> I've got the joy of the Lord. I've got no need for it. Sorry you do. Let me show you what the Bible says. And it's not being mean. It's helping people realize that their love isn't for God and His Word. Their love is for satisfying self. I struggle with it, which is as much as anybody else struggles with it. We're trapped <laughs> in this body of flesh. But with God helping me, with God helping you, I want my faith to be in the Word of God. We should be able to have a generation that if it's more than two or three verses of Scripture and some words on a screen, that they can still function. <laughs> okay? It's, it's, it's good to, to challenge them. It's a blessing to see you know, a, young, a young married couple, a, a young boy... Uh, you know, a family for young. It's good to see the young people wanting to come and hear God's word. And it's a blessing that their parents and grandparents are bringing them. They're the generation that's coming up. We want them to fall in love with God's word and the author of the book. All right, would you bow with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I do pray that the message was edifying to your saints. We do want to lift up our church to you, Lord, and we pray that your name would be exalted.
your truth would be exalted, you would be glorified, get the praise, get the thanksgiving. Lord, help us to magnify you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.